your cultural competence. Listen to interesting stories. Learn about the cultural pitfalls and how to avoid them. Get the global perspective here at Culture Matters Podcast on International Business. We help you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences, helping you develop your cultural competence. Welcome to the Culture Matters Podcast. We are on episode number 67, and we're going all the way to Russia, or are we going to Russia, really? Natasha Aksenova is our guest today. She's specializing on doing business in Russia and communicating effectively with Russians. She's been exposed to different cultures, studies, and work-wise for the last 16 years, having lived and worked across the world in Russia, the United States, Germany, and currently in the United Kingdom. Natasha gained her practical business experience having worked in media industries over 11 years. Natasha's work includes acting as a mediator between Russia, Kazakh, Ukrainian and English teams, bridging any possible gaps, identifying and resolving issues and problems and ultimately making projects happen. Now she is a consultant on doing business in Russia from the communications perspective and is publicized and is a publicized author of a series of articles about doing business in Russia. Next to this being a podcast, it's also going to be a video cast. And in the show notes, you can find out where you can actually find this video, which will be on YouTube. But let's go to the interview first. It's time for this week's guest at the Culture Matters podcast. Here's your host, Chris Smith. Hello, Natasha. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Chris. I'm good. How are you? I'm good as well. I'm a bit... This, I've been doing this podcast for some time, and um, usually I'm not nervous if I do podcasts, because it's only audio. The difference lies in the fact that we're doing video as well. Of course, if you're listening to this in the audio version, you won't see the video, but it is also available on YouTube. So that's a first time for you and a first time for me. Yes, absolutely. I guess... I'm a bit nervous, but I'm more excited about that. You're more excited about it. Okay. We'll just see how it goes, just so the audience knows as well, uh, watching the YouTube channel and also listening to the the podcast, who are used to listening to the podcast, that there's a YouTube channel opened as well. Well, I'll give you the link in a moment or at the end of the podcast. And uh, just if I'm sort of nervous or confused about stuff, there's a lot of (laughs) technology going on getting this up in the air. Um, I will like. I would like to hear from you, Natasha, a little bit about yourself, your background, um, where you come from, where you currently are, and what is your cultural frame of reference? And I'm making the frame of reference because it's video and I can do these things now. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Um, well, um, to start with, mm-hmm. currently I'm an intercultural consultant specializing on doing business in Russia and in the UK. Uh So I guess it answers half of the question, which is what my cultural reference is and where uh, I'm currently based. Uh So I guess accent-wise, you might have guessed uh, that I am from Moscow, born and bred. So I'm Russian. Uh Uh, I've lived in the UK for five years now, and um, this is what I consider to be, well, at least 50% of... um, this notion in my head of where my home is, I guess the UK would be somewhere there as well. Um, Love this country to bits, love Russia as well. Uh, I also studied in Germany, worked in Germany a bit. Uh, I studied in the US as well and worked there as well. So um, I guess 
it's the modern day world. People travel everywhere and um, they get different countries actually as those points of their cultural frame. So I guess yeah. different, different points. I don't know what geometrical figure it makes. Um, but what I specialize in is uh, doing business in Russia, okay. Communi- okay. Uh, communicating with Russians and also doing business in the UK and communicating uh, with the people from the UK. Clear. Clear. Makes good sense. You said, I'm, by the accent, I, I, you can tell that I'm, uh, you didn't say Russian, but you said from Moscow, which makes you Russian. How could I tell that you're from Moscow and, and not the other big city, St. Petersburg? Oh, well, yeah, a very good question. I guess, I guess I just generally sound Russian. It's just that in Moscow, the pronunciation is some, well, is very, very particular, very, very specific. Mm. And sometimes instead of an O sound, we say ah. So that's how... Give me an example. Give me a word. Well, even uh, well, even even say when pronouncing um, words in Russian, I'm not sure. I just think generally it's just this soft pronunciation um, of different words uh, in English. So you, you can hear that. And also when it comes to vowels in Russian, for example, uh, Moscow is uh, how we write that. It's Moskva, mm-hmm. but we pronounce that as Moskva. So you can hear this R sound yeah, everywhere. Yeah. So I guess it also, you could hear that. I give myself away, uh, away instantly all the time. To Russians, so I mean in terms of location? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so, I think so. Yeah, that makes good sense, I guess. I've been, I've been to, uh, I haven't seen much of, of Russia. I've, seen, I've been to Moscow a couple, several times. I've been to St. Petersburg as well. I've been to the city, a city in between, uh, it's, it's called Novgorod. Oh, wow. And, That's um, yeah, that was in in like February or something, and like when ah. when Russia it is at its best or at its worst, it depends, <laughs> you know, what, what viewpoint you take. And um, so it I was, was about to say, it makes it even more interesting. Novgorod yes. in uh, February. Yes, that's an adventure. Yeah, yeah. The strong. I mean, if I can share a story, we're really interested in stories. I'll share a story, one of my stories with you, so you, maybe you can share stories back as well. Is that my first time in Russia? I was there with a. Uh, that was in Moscow. I was there with a with a, a colleague who is from Italy. He and it Italian was quite fashionable, so he was quite fashionable as well. And of course, coming from Rome, his his and we were there in February as well. And um, we were strolling around the Red Square as one does first time in Moscow. And the Italian from Rome was wearing his winter jacket, but a winter jacket in Italy from Rome is not as um, oh. as good as uh, as a jacket that sh- I mean that, that a Moscovite would actually wear. <laughs> so eventually, we are staring, we're just looking around, being at an evening in February at the Red Square. It was cold. It was really cold as it can get there. And all of a sudden, he, he grabs my shoulder and he looks at me, and I see him. He is like he's like wobbling in a way. And I say, okay, let's go inside because he was like he had a bit of less hair than I have as well, <laughs> and so we really, really rushed inside because he was he was about to collapse because of the cold. Oh my goodness! Yeah, so he's fine now. But he's, he's he, yeah, he's, he's survived. He survived. Yes, we uh, uh, we covered it with enough vodka and uh, caviar as well. <laughs> yeah, one that's one of the remedies. Yeah, this is that would definitely help you. Yes. <laughs> Um, what did you? What was the reason you actually left uh, Russia and then moved to the to the UK? I guess. Um, very good question. I don't think I actually have left Russia. So um, 
uh, a very again because uh, we're talking stories, and yes. uh, my husband is based in Russia, okay. so he works in Russia, and this is where he, uh, his business is. Uh, so we actually travel back and forth. Uh-huh. All the time, taking turns. So, say this coming weekend, it's going to be his turn to come to uh, to the UK just for a weekend as a tourist, and um, then the next weekend it's probably going to be my turn. So, I'm already looking forward to those red eye overnight flights. I can imagine. Very nice. Yeah, Yeah, three hour plus flight, I guess, from where you are. (laughs) Yeah, it is actually now. Yeah, it's uh, pretty much like that. Three hours, so quick and easy. Yeah. Um, So it should be all right. Um, but anyway, um, what actually made me uh, come to the UK, because this is where I work and this is where I live uh, and this is where my home is, um, that was ultimately seeking a challenge. At that time, I was working when I thought, all oh, right, yeah, I, I need something. It would be um, it would be good to uh, find another challenge. Just go for that. Yes. Uh, I was working in Russian television. Everything was great. Um I worked in marketing, uh, doing television rebrands and television graphics. Um, and then at some point, I was like, right, it feels like I just need to open my um, new horizons and just um, go and do something different. So um, I contacted uh, somebody I knew very well. Uh, we've done, uh, by that time, we had done uh, a bit of projects together. Uh, and I just asked them, quick and easy, do you can, have any? Can, can I come? Yes. Can I come? Yeah. Can I come and work for you? Uh, for Russians, it's not that straightforward. So you can't just once this person goes like, sure, come come across, um, come around. It's not that easy. So you have to apply for a work uh, visa, mm-hmm. and then you have to wait, and the, pro- uh, the whole process is like nine months. So you really have to have this feeling deep inside you that yes, you're confident. Yes, you'd want to come. Uh, yes, you're willing to contribute, and yes, you want to. Um, you'd like to work hard. Um, so um, anyway, at some point, we, I also thought that uh, probably it's just not going to happen. Uh, the whole process, visa um, process, is uh, pretty complicated. So at some point, I, w- I wasn't even waiting for that anymore. I was, I was like, okay, let whatever uh, whatever happens, whatever we'll yeah, see. Whatever yeah. Just that I exactly what will be will be. Exactly. Um, but yeah, ultimately I received the visa, jumped on a plane, and here uh, here I am. Yeah, and you stayed and you stuck around. Yeah, I stuck around. <laughs> I have a couple of these. These, I mean, I mentioned these. Uh, my own story in terms of uh, you know solving it with enough vodka, etc. So I'm actually, I'm I'm using that as a segue to to a question that I have. Um, I think that a lot of people have, and I wonder if they're true. I'm talking about stereotypes here. Um, so, a couple of these, the biggest stereotypes that, that and I'm talking, the, the stereotypes that Westerns have towards uh, Russians. I mean, they're the obvious one. The, the the Russians drink an awful lot. We don't have valid statistics or reliable statistics. Right, yeah. Where's so that, my that's, that, that's one. <laughs> I've got my bottle here, but it's it's only filled with water. There you go. A glass full of vodka. No, I'm kidding. Um so they drink an awful lot. They they're they're not allowed. They can't voice their own opinion because then they're sent off to Siberia straight away, <laughs> and they're um, uh, they're against the West. The West is an enormous threat. So how much of these things are true? I've mentioned three, like the alcohol consumption, um, the fact that they can't voice their own opinion, and that they they dislike or hate the West. How much of that is? Is is true? Can you place that out of your own perspective, looking at it from both sides, please? 
Very good question. Um, vodka wise, I think we've got this covered. <laughs> no, it's just a big glass of water. Oh, of course, it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think stereotypes is stereotypes. So, um, as, I mentioned, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I very much enjoyed your TEDx talk where you start that straight away with uh, all of those different stereotypes. I think there's a deal uh, of truth in that, and that's why stereotypes this just stick around. And that's why they're around for, for ages and they never go. And I can't tell you uh, how many times, Chris, people here, just getting back just a little bit, uh, a little bit back uh, to the subject of weather, for example, here in the UK, uh, in winter, it's so cold for me. So um, uh, I tell you what, my um, clothes from Russia, for example, or all the winter coats, those mm -hmm. really, really thick ones, yes. Uh, yes. No fur, I don't wear fur, yeah. <laughs> again, speaking about stereotypes. Uh, so those clothes, they've never, ever, ever helped me uh, when it comes to surviving the UK weather uh -huh. because it's so damp, it gets straight yes. into your bones. So um, and uh, I tell you what, every, uh, had I been paid every time, mm -hmm. uh, one penny every time uh, people here would be saying something like, um, well, you're Russian, you shouldn't be feeling cold, yeah. things yeah. like that. And uh, at first... I. I would try launching into explaining like uh, that the weather is different, that it's damp, and in Russia it's very dry. So when it's minus 30 in Russia, um, it's actually, it feels warmer than plus 10 here in the UK. Yeah. It's drizzling outside and really gray and damp. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, yeah, had it been paid every time people would say that to me, I would have been a millionaire. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I'm not, <laughs> obviously. Uh, and now I don't even launch into explaining, I just laugh because I find stereotypes are funny and that's what the fundamental quality of stereotypes are. They should be treated not seriously. Uh, well, I, I'm never offended. Well, I'm just talking about myself and obviously. Uh, you're not the stereotype. You're not your own stereotype. You are you yeah. first and foremost, of course. Yeah, yeah. And I think generally living in um, different countries that actually opens um, wider horizons for you. So you you actually learn not to take yourself seriously in the yes. first. And stereotypes is just you. Um, you learn to uh, look past stereotypes. Yes. That just helps yeah. a lot. Uh, that's that's true as well. How about then the 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 fact that you you can't voice your own opinion. Because as soon as you say something, then uh, whoever, you know, some sort of police or secret police is behind you and you're being knock, knock, knock on your shoulder. And uh, well, I guess it's, again, one of those stereotypes to do with um, overgeneralization. Mm -hmm. So there are different laws in different countries. So uh, in one country, you can't do that. And in another one, uh, you can't do this. For example, uh, um in Russia, there are different laws, uh, obviously. So, uh, uh, for, for example, you can't say something that would heat up religious hatred. Yes, uh, or, again, there are laws like you can't, um, in mass media, mm -hmm. uh, you can't um, do propaganda of... Um, um, of uh, gay, uh, well, of gay and lesbian relationships. Yes. Okay. Yes, uh, but Russia is not the only one. And more countries are sensitive yeah. towards these yeah. kind of subjects. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say. So um, again, the law is very particular. I think again, I'm not a lawyer, so uh, I'm just a humble person. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, so how how I see that, how stereotypes work. So there's one particular law that. Um, 
uh, actually uh, tells you what you can do and what you cannot do. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, it gets overgeneralized. And obviously, this is, again, having worked with mass media and being very much aware of how mass media works. Like, if you make a story big, then it would be big. And um, yeah. your um, well, your your newspaper or television channel uh, is going to do fantastically well. If you so you need to overgeneralize to make it big. Yes. So this yes. is how it works. And uh, obviously, with people as well, um, I think uh, generally, if you tell them something bad, then they're going to react to that. But if you tell them something neutral, they're not going to react to that, right? No, it's, indeed. I mean, the news is always negative. You, you, news is hardly ever positive. So a lot of these stereotypes tend to be either silly or joking or negative in a way. Yeah. Yes, true. All right, yeah. good point. So we had stereotypes work. <laughs> yeah, we had a, a, a previous guest, a couple of podcasts before this. Uh, he was a, a Dutchman who actually lived in Moscow, Jeroen Ketting or Jeroen Ketting. And um, he actually phrased it in an interesting way. He said, it, uh, I mean, on a political level, there's not much freedom. And he, I'm making the air quotes again, freedom. He said, but on a personal level, there's a lot of freedom that the Russians actually have as an individual there. It's, oh, yes. Yeah? Oh, yes, definitely. Um, I actually listened to this podcast and I very much enjoyed that. And I actually agree with uh, Jeroen. I think what he said about Russia, I very much like, because this is what my personal reflection on Russia is, which is, uh, he said, whatever you say about Russia, quite the opposite would be right as well. And that's actually absolutely true. Um, So in terms of uh, how much freedom people have, uh, they have enormous freedom. Again, there are so many things uh, people um, can't say in the UK on a personal level Mm -hmm. Uh, there are so many things uh, that you have to say before you launch into a crucial conversation you have to do quite a lot of small talk as I'm sure you're aware of so you really have to talk about something just to break the ice and just to warm up as well Uh, and there are uh, certain questions that you don't ask um, like how much do you earn right Right. Right. or um, what are your relationships like with such and such person? Where are you heading to? When are you going to get married? But you know what? Um, well, not necessarily in Moscow, but pretty much across Russia, people are much more open. So they, wouldn't, they would spare you quite a lot of time. They wouldn't even launch into small talk. Russians don't do small talk. They think it's a waste of time and it's not sincere. Okay. This is what their take on that is. Again, thinking about how one thing could be uh, perceived so differently from of different points of view. Um, and then they would ask those questions um, just like that. Um, uh, can't, I can't tell you how many times I, w- I wasn't married at that time. So how many times I was asked, like, so when are you going to get married? It's about time you get married. So when are yeah. you going to get married? Yeah, yes. yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there, it's it's hard to stay away, I think. I mean, and it's mo- mainly based, I guess, um, in, in the beginning it was, before I ever visiting Russia, stay away from the stereotypes and, you know, what the, the, the stuff that the, the, the image that is painted for us by the media. Um, so I, I, I hope you're okay with these kind of questions and I hope it, it gives the audience as well a, a viewpoint that only a Russian can can have you know you could, you you're, you can look from the inside and and then project that view outside so that's what I'm trying to get from you as well and one of the things I mean we're talking we're recording this um, in September 2016 for those of you listening in the future and 
currently the the relationship between say the east and the west or russia and the west are not very friendly um there your your president vladimir putin the president of um, current president of russia he's making kind of uh strong fists towards the west so how do you what can you give us your take on on how russia uh, and putin is currently acting on world stage what do you think of this from from your perspective uh good question i think from my point of view that's very easy and i see um again as an intercultural consultant i see what the situation is like what both sides are doing and where it is that they're clashing or actually not even clashing somehow they're going parallelly yes, yes. not not listening to each other not, yeah yeah so not uh, actually paying attention to those verbal and non-verbal clues uh-huh. each party is give, giving to each other so they somehow carry on going in opposite directions just like that um I think the fundamental, again, me not being a politician or a journalist, but just being an intercultural consultant, uh, looking at that from the communication point of view, um, I think what's fundamentally different between Russia and um, uh, the rest of the countries, I, I'm sort of deliberately not uh, not saying Western countries, because I like to think that Russia is in the West as well. Uh, well, at least it's in Europe. So um, Part of it, yes. The, the two yeah. major big cities are there, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, so many times, I can't tell you how many times Russia has been referred to Asian countries, and then again, culturally and geographically, it's not necessarily Asian. So I'm delib- deliberately trying to stay away from... Um, mm-hmm. Uh, those labeled, but anyway, from the um, uh, from the communication point of view, I think the most important thing which is missing, um, which is some sort of common ground and understanding on what each party sees as uh, leadership. You see, in Russia, for example, if you're a strong leader, and that translates across everything, across politics, across work and business and across, well, just personal relations, uh, relationships as well. If you're a strong leader, you need to be assertive. A strong leader is somebody that makes their, his or hers decisions mm-hmm. themselves, purely themselves, or at least publicly. Yeah. Uh, it's a strong figure. That's that how acts, it looks, yes. Yeah, this is how, how it looks. A strong leader doesn't take any advice, in the Russian sense, uh, any openly doesn't take any advice from their subordinates, or let alone doesn't let themselves being led by the opinion of the subordinates. Mm-hmm. If something like that happened at work, for, uh, for example, subordinates suggesting, going like, right, I actually disagree. Yeah. Uh, I actually think uh, we should do that, that and that. Guess what would happen to the subordinates if they openly question the decision of the boss? He'd be in trouble, or at least a little bit of trouble. In deep, deep trouble. Yes. <laughs> so uh, the same thing happens on a political level as well. You just cannot afford to back down. You cannot afford to show that um, you're weak. Mm-hmm. You cannot afford to show that you're actually uh, taking other people's opinion uh, into consideration yeah. because you would be perceived as weak and actually chances are you could be replaced by somebody else who had has the qualities you just painted yeah yes. yeah so it's about this no surrender attitude yes. just propelling forward 
people dozing forward, forward and forward. And that's politics, that's business, that's personal relationships as well. So um, people are not wired, um, uh, I mean, uh, in, in the Russian culture, mm-hmm. to see consensus, because consensus, something that would actually work for both sides, um, this uh, this way of thinking is actually something uh, which would be perceived as weak and non-constructive. You see what I mean? Yes, so, yeah, I mean, that's the, percep- the perception that the Russians might have towards this. Yes. Yeah. Now, yeah, you, you yeah. come from Moscow. You've lived there for a long time. Now you've lived in the UK or are living in the UK as well. So what does Natasha actually think? What is, what is your personal preference over... What do, you, do you prefer this paternalistic style of management that... Um, uh, that Vladimir Putin is is portraying, or do you prefer the more consultative management style that is more dominant in the UK or maybe Western Europe even? Oh well, very good question. I think I've thought about that myself as well. Uh-huh. So I would say it's not about what I prefer; it's about the environment I'm in, the business environment. So uh, whenever I'm in the UK, so I co-own also on top of being a um, an intercultural consultant. I co-own a creative agency. Yes. So uh, there, once I'm there, once I'm in the office, and I have all my colleagues, they're English speakers. Um, the majority of them are English, British, uh, and uh, one Australian. Okay. So, <laughs> and me. And you. Well. So, uh, and me, yeah. Yes. It took me a while to actually to figure out... Um, um, how to communicate with people and how to uh, make sure my voice is heard without me sounding, uh, without me sounding or coming across as like Putin. <laughs> or too rude as yeah, well. That That's one of the things. Again, one of those cultural stereotypes like Russian tourists abroad, non-smiling, going like that or, you know, propelling across like that, yeah. not saying thank you or not saying hello or anything like that and coming coming across as rude. Whereas in the reality, it's not like that, obviously. Uh, I generally believe in, generally, in um, um, people's qualities as uh, being quite nice and friendly. So, but it's about different ways culturally how you could uh, uh, convey your friendliness. So you see, in Russia, people don't smile necessarily to strangers because that's supposed to be a bit insincere. If I went all like that, in Russia probably uh, people would just say, oh, she's a bit flaky. What's wrong with her? <laughs> yes. Yeah, what does she want? <laughs> yeah, what does she want from me? If I smile... Have a glass of vodka too much? <laughs> exactly. Cheers to that. Yes. Um, yeah, for example, in the lift, uh, in, the lift in my apartment, um, in my house in Moscow. In Moscow. Like, yeah, in Moscow, for example. If I smile to, to a complete stranger, saying like, hello, how are you? Well, people go like, oh, what's wrong with you? Can I get out? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you see what I mean? So, um, uh, again, when I'm in the UK environment, mm-hmm. I absolutely adapt to the UK environment. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just go with the flow. And I know how to um, establish, well, establish my authority without coming across as a... Uh, too paternalistic as, as a bully yeah. Yeah, or, or well the, the way how people would perceive in the UK or as a bully uh, whereas in Russia it's a completely different story so whenever I'm speaking with a Russian client I make sure I sound assertive uh, I also make sure I sound confident I also make sure um, I don't sound weak yeah. so you see what I mean it's a bit of a schizophrenic 
uh, obviously oh, reality. I think it's very it's very competent, culturally competent to the extent that it's. I mean, people want to be managed in the way they want to be managed, and and it's, they don't want to be managed in a different way. If somebody wants a pizza, they want a pizza. So exactly. if they prefer a certain kind of strong style of management, like if it's more paternalistic, then I think you should give that to them. So that makes good sense. Exactly. Yes. Then again, I, uh, I also want to, uh, want to say that what I'm saying is obviously just like with any cultural uh, cultural uh, cultural dimensions, to say so, is mm-hmm. hugely overgeneralized. So every mm-hmm. situation obviously has got... Uh, its own uh, different details that need to be taken um, into account. Uh, in Moscow and in Russia, uh, there are different company, companies as well, so-called traditional companies and uh, modern yes. companies as well, Western companies as well. So it could be it could be different as well. But I guess these are the, those things that I've mentioned. They are so-called common directions. Yeah. So. Um, can I just move on to um, one of the things that, I, that because I do try to make it a business podcast, although I have the occasional traveler and student uh, as a guest as well. So the question, maybe also an obvious question, what would be the biggest pitfalls that um, Brits and Americans or maybe Western Europeans have when wanting to do business in Russia? What do you, there, there must be one or two or three things that go wrong every time predictably. Oh yes. Yes. Like, what? What would be the top three? Fantastic question. Because there are so many things that go wrong. But thinking about the top three is when doing business in Russia, for example. Well, number uh, rule number one. Yes. Or pitfall number one. Let's uh, let's think about that from the pitfall. Mm -hmm. That's skipping this crucial stage of making sure you are. establish some relationship first before plunging into the business talk. And I'm not talking about the small talk, because again, remember, Russians don't do small talk. But that that would be about just getting to chat, well, getting to not chat, but getting to know the person in advance. And um, Is that like doing your homework? Yes, do your homework or have a few calls or come to Russia uh-huh. to establish those relationships first before selling something. Because with Americans, uh, how it works, so many times they rely on the merits of their business offering, um, thinking, okay, we've got a fantastic uh, opportunity, we've got a fantastic business proposal, yes. so yes. it's too good to be true, it's too good to, turn, to be turned down, and they just go, and then guess what? They have a meeting, everything is great, then they go back and then nothing happens because they fail to establish this personal relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, again, thinking about vodka, how much I hate the stereotype, <laughs> but it might be worthwhile to go and just have this informal chat afterwards and just, you know, have a couple of shots. Um, See, uh, see what comes after that. Yeah, yeah, and it, and, and it's, we're not talking about alcoholism here. We're not talking about stereotypes. We're talking about the way b- people do business or prefer to do business. Yeah, yeah just um, get to know the other, the other person yeah. or at least have a friendly conversation yeah. afterwards. Um, then again, pitfall number two. Yes. That would be when it, uh, when it comes to uh, selling. Mm-hmm. Russians are hugely emotional and uh, how many times I've seen a UK company or an American company pitch to a Russian client 
using logic, 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 and logic, pure logic. And this just doesn't work like that. Again, thinking about uh, thinking about some recent examples, or well, maybe relatively recent examples, would be the Sochi Olympics in 2014. Yes. Do you remember this uh, lavish opening ceremony and how much money was splashed on that? Uh, with firework displays and with everything, it was a magnificent show. And I remember how much it was criticized in international media by saying, oh, so much, uh, so much money has been spent on that. Uh, they would have rather spent this money on something else. Um, la, la, la. Well, maybe. <laughs> maybe I agree with that. At the same time, you have to admit, it's just the nature, and that's just the core of the Russian soul, um, to be very emotional about, about decisions and not rational. Okay, it might have been more rational to spend the money on something else. At the same time, at the core of a Russian decision, that would be emotions. Say, when it comes to the Sochi Olympics, that would be to organize something everyone would remember. That would be to wow everyone. And um, that would be to uh, surprise everyone. So, um, Nice example. Logic. Yeah, it's not logic. No it's not, no, it's not. It doesn't have to be. Lo not, not for everyone. Not for them, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And the, sa the same thing goes for, applies very particularly to negotiations. Again, there's this famous... Um, Western American book uh, on negotiations called Getting to Yes. Yes. You probably, okay. Yeah, it, it's quite a famous one. Yeah, and actually, yeah. I very much recommend reading that um, because it's really useful when it comes to negotiating with um, uh, people in the UK. So actually, I recommend to your uh, Russians that I consult to actually to read through that because if, 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 you, uh, if you read this book, actually, chances are um, you, you would get much better at communicating uh, with the Brits. Um, but when it comes to Russia, actually, this book doesn't work at all. Okay. So, again, just because of the emotions. Um, for example, this book recommends asking a question, like, what's the, what's the reasoning behind your decision? Yeah. Imagine asking that a Russian. Yeah, it, wouldn't, it, would, it would actually backfire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Exactly. That's interesting because I, I actually think it's an excellent book because what, what they're trying to do in the book is, is get away from their, and they call it positional bargaining. Yeah. Um, it's like like this, 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 this. That's what they're trying to get away from. And to that extent, indeed, it's for, it's for I guess, for an individualistic country, it's a very, um, it's a very good approach towards negotiations. Okay. About establishing, yeah, about coming up with something that would work for both sides. Both sides, rather than, yeah, you, you've got a position and I have a position and let's see who, who wins and who's the best in that. What's the third point then, Natasha? Yeah, see, just uh, quickly rolling back to our, um, to our leadership and to political situations as well. See, it doesn't necessarily work in Russia like that. That's about who wins. It's yeah. not about who wins, wins, Yeah, if it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the third point would be, again, one of the things that so many times, well, again, uh, I worked in the UK um, as somebody as a cultural mediator between uh, UK-based UK team and a Russian-based team, Russian-based uh, team being a client. Mm -hmm. And uh, so many times um, I would see uh, a Russian team agreeing to a deadline, a Russian client agreeing to a deadline saying, okay, we want this to happen within this, uh, this and this. Uh, amount of time within this and this um, uh, fr uh, time frame, mm -hmm. 
And then uh, the UK team would go like, okay, let's do that. Let's create a production schedule based on that. Um, And let's start. Uh, But I would always say, (laughs) look, unless we explicitly say this out loud to our Russian clients that the deadline is set in stone, they wouldn't treat this as set in stone. So you really have to say that. Because for Russians, a deadline is just something to start with. It could be always pushed back. Hmm. You see what I mean? So this is something uh, where a foreign company could lose money if this is uh, something that they're not aware of. Generally, Russian attitude to time is not linear. No, uh, it's, not, it's, it's more circular, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, it's exactly like that. It's like that, like that, or could be like that. Yeah. Sometimes people doing many things at the same time, multitasking. You would see that uh, a very good example would be queues. For example, in the UK, there would be a queue, and uh, people would be queuing up. It doesn't matter if you want, for example, if you want a bit of cheese or if you want a bit of sausage or if you want a bit of an ice cream it, it would still be one cue right yeah neat and orderly this is something that, that we love here in the uk mm. an orderly cue i love that as well yeah. <laughs> i like order uh but when it comes to russia if there, there was somebody selling ice cream or somebody selling cheese and there would be one cue in the very beginning but then some uh, well uh, the vendor would be se- uh, selling the ice cream and then somebody from the back um, of the queue would be like, oh, well, you're at it. Could I actually have a scoop as well? And yeah. that would be fine. And that, okay, it wouldn't upset the uh, the seller like that? No, okay. it, it wouldn't upset the rest of the queue either yeah. in the first place. So that would be absolutely normal. So you see, that's again, when doing business in Russia, please be very aware of how Russians treat time. And that's not even about appointments being um, pushed back at the, uh, at the last minute's notice or people not exactly making it uh, to business meetings on time because being like say 15 minutes late or 30 minutes late, that's absolutely fine. That's not even about people not sticking to their schedule. Yes. It's more yeah. about, again, it's about them juggling so many things at the same time or traffic jams and different other factors. Mm-hmm. So um, just think about that properly and uh, plan yourself ahead properly and allow for more time um, when you go to Russia or if you go to Russia uh, doing business meetings. Make sure you don't schedule too many meetings on one day because you end up um, having to cancel one of those. You're never going to make that. Probably two meetings a day would be fine. Three meetings a day, that would be already pushing that. So just be aware of that. Otherwise, you're very likely to um, to actually to waste your time or to ultimately lose money yeah. because yeah. this is what... Excellent. It's really good stuff. It's um, it's it's something that uh, I mean, from a theoretical standpoint, I can I can very much follow. But it's good to hear it in your own words, and typically with a perspective from Russia towards the West, or maybe towards specifically towards maybe Anglo-Saxon countries to sort of pull it a little bit broader. Um, yeah. I'm looking at the uh, uh, at the clock here. We've been recording about 37 minutes here. It's going okay, isn't it? Just on yeah. on camera like that. <laughs> we're not bad. No, um, we're doing we're we? doing fine here. So um, usually I would end my uh, my uh, the, the the podcast and and then the the video cast as well um, around this time, and then I would ask answer or ask you again like three tips to become more culturally uh, competent. But I think you just gave them. Um. 
Or, and unless you have any other tips in, in general, you know, to become more culturally competent, they're more than welcome. They'll be in the blog post as well, but I, you know, it's something that I, I think makes sense. And every guest has a different angle. So together, you know, there, there's, there's a multitude of tips there to be more culturally competent. So if you have any tips, then by all means. I actually, yeah, I, I think so. I think I could contribute. Okay. One observation from my side. Number one, please don't assume that if you go to Russia or any other foreign countries, if you're based in one country going to another one to do business, don't assume that it would, if you just go there open-hearted and friendly and open-minded as well, that would do the trick for you. Mm-hmm. Please, please, please get ready in advance. Go to professional blogs. Seek out intercultural specialists specializing on your particular country. Mm -hmm. Go to their blogs. Ask them directly. Uh, It doesn't hurt reading up on the country as much as you you can in advance. Uh, And it's not about the population or what the currency is. It's about very particular things. How to do negotiations. How can you... What are the ways to convince people? What are the ways to establish the common ground? Uh, What are the ways to... um, uh, to uh, establish rapport, what are the uh, what are the ways of this? What are the ways of that? So you have to come up with very very particular questions about um, your area of specializations and business, and find answers to them in advance. Because I can't tell you how many times I witness things going wrong. People think, okay, um, I'm friendly, I'm open-minded. They go in, then they come up, uh, stumble upon something. And they go like, oh, right, people are so rude, I can't do business with them. Yes. What they don't realize is that it's just their emotions during the talking and their, uh, again, lack of probably preparation in advance. So and please, pointing, it's, it's them. It's not, it's not me. It's always you. You're, you're, you're always the one who's wrong. The yeah, other one. Yeah. Exactly. And if you go, again, um, so many guests said that, so I can't just um, reiterate how important it is. It's... Don't blame people and make sure you switch your emotions because ultimately, if you go there, it's ultimately up to you to adapt. It's not about them. It's about you. That's That's about using your logic and not emotions. Don't judge. Yeah. Uh, is, is that your your second tip or the third one or <laughs> I can't keep track anymore and I'm writing them down as well into each other okay so was my second one yeah. and the third one would be again just to give you one concrete thing uh, probably to turn to um, that well along to probably turning to my blog um, reading a fantastic book which is called uh, Riding the Waves of Cultural Communication by Fons Trompenas mm-hmm. and uh, Charles Hampton Turner. Yeah. I can't recommend this book um, enough. It's just so good. Then again, that would be a very good starting point and that would give you very, very practical tips on what to look out for when dealing with people from other cultures. Okay, excellent. I'm making notes as well and I'm aware that the camera is on. So I showed you the uh, my blank piece of paper in the beginning. It's it's all <laughs> scribbled full and even the flip side I'm I'm making notes as well. So oh, it's, that's uh, good. Yeah, it's good stuff. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um one one the last question that I ask everyone of course is where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? Well, I will give the um I will give you the address of my uh, website and um I do do a blog there, so you're welcome to uh, go there and read free articles um, that I write on doing business in Russia and doing business in the UK. Mm-hmm. So that's Natasha Exenova uh, dot WordPress dot com. 
I guess my name is a bit of a mouthful, so I'm going to uh, just um, uh, to give you the letters. So that's N-A-T-A-S-H-A-A-K-S-E-N-O-V-A dot WordPress dot com. Otherwise, it's got it posted on the website anyway, right? So uh, people yeah, would be yeah. able just to click. Uh, it'll click. be on the. Yeah, it'll be on the site for sure. All right. Anything else that you want to add in terms of how people want to or can get in touch with you? Well, uh, they can uh, always go to um, my LinkedIn profile as well, which is okay. Natasha Exinova. Uh, and uh, they can always drop me a line as well. Uh, so I'll give you my uh, email address too. Uh, that's Exinova, is in my surname, A-K-S-E-N-O-V-A, business, in one word, mm-hmm. at gmail.com. At gmail.com. All right. All right. That'll be in the show notes. Um, we're in us episode number, let me check that out, 67. And the first one that actually went um, on video as well. Yay. Scary. <laughs> Our, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but what do you say, Nozorovia? What do you say? Well, a very good question, Chris. A fantastic question, actually. We don't say much. We say lots and lots of gibberish. So we say cheers. Just like that, like mimicking the English cheese. We say nu, which is like so. We say payehali. Lots and lots of gibberish. Lots sounds, and lots of sounds stuff. Sounds like it, yes. The only thing that I actually uh, know how to say that Russians actually understand as well is pasiva. <laughs> so I thank you very much for your time, your effort, and, uh, and coming on the show. The first one on video. So thanks for being uh, as courageous as you were. Also, the podcast, of course, is there. I'm pretty sure Natasha will bump into each other in the future. Yes, I am as well. Thank you. Take care then. Take care. Thanks again, Natasha, for being the first guest on video as well, as well as being a guest on the podcast, the audio version of that. Well, you know more about Russia, hopefully, than you did before this podcast. And um, I've always thought this was an amazing country and a very interesting country. A lot of ignorance actually clouding the, the view that we have of this country the end of the culture matters podcast number 67 um done with this i'll be back in two weeks time with another guest in the meantime if you got nothing to do go over to itunes and leave me a good review and rating it's always good for the visibility of this podcast thanks so much and take care bye-bye that's it for this episode the culture matters podcast helping you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences